What's up, everybody? It's Michael Netto right here with Jeff King and Joe Geary, and we are your host of the Whitman Podcast, whatever it takes, whenever it's needed, talking all things real estate. And today we're diving into how to recession-proof your business. So are we moving into a recession? Maybe. Possibly. Maybe not. I don't know. They've been saying it for years that we're moving into a shifting market. Keep in mind, we have moved. Uh, we've been on a steady climb. The market's been climbing for almost ten years now. Started correcting in two thousand nine or in two thousand nineteen. Statistically, a market shift happens every six to seven years. A market correction, so it's going to happen eventually. All right, we're maybe this year, yeah. maybe next year. Who knows? But it is going to happen. So the best way to survive a market shift is to start putting some process in place now. For then, when it does happen, it doesn't affect you. So. Keep in mind that moving from a market like we've been in to a market correction or a market shift, we're moving into a skills-based market. All right, so what do we mean by that, a skills-based market? What we mean by that is that any realtor right now where they're gaining market share or having some success because they're cheap, they're probably not going to survive a market shift. How many times do we compete against agents that are their only reason they get business is because they're cheap? Quite frequently right now. Yeah, 98% of the time. Yeah, every expired listing we go on. <laughs> Right. Sale by owners for sure, yeah. and that's the thing. Like you, the four percenters out there, the discount brokers, they can survive in a market like this because all you have to do right now—not all you have to do—but in a lot of markets, you have to put a sign in the yard, and the house sells, because there's limited inventory. We're in a pretty strong seller's market, at least in our market, and I think a lot of markets around the area. I know the coasts are starting to feel a little bit of pressure where houses inventory starting to sit a little bit longer, but for our market in St. Louis, it's still depending on the area, but most areas in St. Louis, if you put a sign in the yard and it's priced correctly, it's going to sell quickly. And that's the way it's been for a couple of years. So those 4% discount brokers, their only value proposition is we're cheap. So now what's going to happen is as we shift into a market where days on market starts to ramp up, what happens is a lot of the discount brokers don't provide very good service. And so it's unfortunate. And and I know I don't want to sound like I'm being a uh, you know, an a-hole here, but, but it's true because we do, we do sell a lot of homes that were on the market with other, with other, um, discounters. discounters. Yeah. And what happens is that sellers say, never, we never hear from them. They don't provide any, they never call us back. We never get an email back. We never get any. So four percentage, if you want to survive, just call your client back. It's not that yeah. hard, but if you did that, you'd be fine. But unfortunately a lot of people don't. So what happens is four percent or discount agent takes a listing. Now all of a sudden homes aren't selling right away. So there's no, there's no skill set in just being cheap. So what happens is 30 days goes by and the client's furious because they haven't heard from the realtor. They haven't got any showings or maybe one or two showings. They're not getting feedback or calls back from the realtor. And then they'd fire the realtor. So that's why we're shifting to a skills-based market. When a market shifts, you have to have really good skills to be able to have good purposeful conversations with your, with your sellers on a weekly basis. Here's the marketing efforts we're doing. Here's the feedback we're getting. Here's what's happening. Do we need to make a price reduction? Being able to have those tough conversations with sellers is going to become extremely important if you want to survive this market shift. Now, for everybody out there that is working on their skill set every single day and practicing their scripts and doing what you're supposed to be doing every day, you should actually be excited about a market shift. Because what do we do from lead generation standpoint? So we do a minimum of six hours every single week, especially when we're doing circle calls or just making sure that we're talking to a lot of people that we want to add into the database, even if it's nurtures, even if they're not ready right now. We're basically growing enough people that we could talk to the people that we've already talked to at some point in time over the last six, nine, 12 months that we can ideally pull business out of. Yeah. 
Exactly. So we literally have our own economy exactly. sitting right. on our computers yep. every day so exactly. that we can control. Yeah, that's just that's exactly it. We create our own economy with the lead gen. Now, you might hear six hours. We're doing six hours of outbound lead generation on a triple line dial. We're calling three people at once. That doesn't take into account all of the follow-up calls we're doing, all the emails, the texts, everything like that to all of our all of our people in our database. So you want to you want to recession-proof your business, double down on your lead generation efforts. You've got to do that. That's the number one thing you have to do is double down on your lead generation efforts and start doing double what you were doing. And that includes when you're really busy and you have closings and you have new listings and you're servicing all of those listings as well too, in addition to making sure that you're getting your later business in three to six months. Otherwise, that will start to show up if you don't lead gen. Right. It will. And that's what's going to happen. So there are two types of realtors in, in a market shift. There are the realtors that say, you know what, I'm going to, one, really hone in my skills. I'm going to work on my scripts. I'm going to work on my presentation skills. I'm going to get better and sharpen the saw every single day. And then and then also I'm going to double my lead generation efforts. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to go door knock if I have to. Even though I might hate open houses, I'm going to go hold five open houses this week. I'm going to go... Um, you know, go to the mall and go meet people. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get business and to survive this market shift. There's those types of people. And then unfortunately, there's a lot of people that just say, oh, the market's terrible. And then they so quit. Houses you're going to the same sell. people too that just sit back in their chair and just wait for business to come yeah. to them instead of them being proactive and coming to the yeah. business. Right. I think the big thing too is if they're not doing that in a good market, chances are they're not going to do they're it. They're not. Exactly. Yeah. Right. They're going to find a reason. And the reason is the market's terrible. And, and that's what happened. In 2006, there was, in our market, there was 12,000 realtors. By 2008, there was like 7,500. So 4,500, whatever that number is, quit the business because it was easy just to say, oh, the market's terrible. There's all these foreclosures, houses aren't selling. But what was interesting enough, though, there was like in 2006, 35,000 homes sold in our market. In 2008, like 30,000 sold. So there's only a difference of 5,000 homes. But then 5,000 realtors quit the business. And that perception was, oh, it's terrible. The, yeah, the yeah. perception was the market was terrible. There was nothing terrible about the market. It was just that it just shifted. <laughs> and so all you had to do was figure out, okay, foreclosures are on the rise. People are losing their houses like crazy. How do I go do short sales? How do I start working REO properties? How do I still service the 30,000 home buyers <laughs> and sellers still out there? Mm-hmm. And how do I carve out a little bit of that? You know, like... You can't get 25 or 30 deals out of 30,000. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. It's crazy. Like, how, like how do you not go take 100 deals out of 30,000 opportunities? And But that's the thing. Most people just said, eh, the market sucks. Right. And there's still going to so, be expireds. There's still going to be yeah. for sale by owners. There's still going to be people in neighborhoods that are going to want to move if you just circle Exactly. Them. So it's still going to be the same yeah. market, just a little bit smaller. Yeah, and that's the difference between like taking action and then making excuses. Right. Because you could sit back, make excuses on how everything is terrible, and you won't make a dime. Right. But you could sit back and, and just in any market, especially being more reactive as opposed to proactive, is, is how you're going to get paid, which is not much. All you do is sit back. Yeah. And so much of this is a mindset. So it's what it's whatever story you're telling yourselves every single day. If you're telling yourself the market's terrible and you're surrounded in an office where everyone's just like flipping out because mm-hmm. the market shifted and it's so horrible, well, then you're in the wrong office for one, but you totally have the right, wrong mindset and you're never going to succeed in this business. You do not succeed in this business because of the market. Just like Joe mentioned, by doing the activities and doing them at a very high level and taking massive action, you create your own economy. And when you create your own economy, the outside world could be burning to the ground <laughs> and you're <laughs> still be okay. selling houses right. because you have done enough and you've taken massive action to be able to not have any of that affect you. 
a market correction happens and the market shifts and all of a sudden, you know, days on market goes up to say from 30 to 100 days on market. Well, that's okay because we have the skill set and we've been practicing for the last couple of years on what kind of conversations and tough conversations we may need to have with our sellers. We work on how to price homes correctly and not just tell people what they want to hear. You're doing your seller an extreme disservice too if you're if you're not practicing these things because what happens is if you don't study the market every day and you can't have a tough conversation with the seller and you go out and you say you know what they want five hundred thousand for your home and it's worth four twenty five and you say well let's just put it on for five hundred and see what happens and then one hundred and sixty days later it's still sitting there at five hundred thousand dollars and it's gotten three showings you're doing that seller a very big disservice like wouldn't you rather just have the skill set and the knowledge and, and and also have the abundance of business so that you're not just struggling to take one listing. A one overpriced listing, or one especially. Because yeah. people are like, well, it's a listing. Maybe I'll get a buyer. Right. Maybe a buyer call. And that's well, a bad frame of mind to think that you're going to pick up buyers just because yeah. you have an overpriced listing. Because you mentioned even over six months, you probably would have three showings. Right. And that might even be generous. Yeah. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting buyers just because you have that overpriced listing. And plus, you're ruining your reputation moving forward yep. with that seller because you're doing them a disservice, like you said, and they're just going to be sitting there for several months. And they're not going to have anything good to say about you to all their friends and family. Yeah, think about that from a referral standpoint. Exactly. Like if you have someone that has gotten you three showings in six months and they're just going along with everything that the seller says because they now have a listing. You're not communicating with them too. If you're just putting Mm -hmm. this in the yard didn't say anything six months later, oh, hey, our listing expires tomorrow. Can we we renew and drop the price 5,000? Exactly. You talked to an expired listing today, even didn't you? That they didn't, they had no idea that their home had expired. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Most realtors don't communicate. Mm-hmm. On most, don't even do it on a weekly basis. A lot don't even do it when their listing's about to expire. So <laughs> most don't even know it's expired. They, they yeah, don't even know exactly. it expires because their agent never tells them. Right. Because it take it does take some skill to say, hey, you know, our listing expires in a week. Would you be willing to, you know, relist with me? Here's my new strategy. Here's what I'm going to do differently this time that I didn't do last time. Or they just leave them in the dust and they're yeah. kind of free to work with whoever they want to. Mm-hmm. It happens all the time, yeah. unfortunately. It does. But that's the thing. And here's here it is. So if, if you're not practicing these scripts, you have to practice these scripts. You have to get good and comfortable with being honest with people. One of the best things I like to say is when we're on an appointment, if we can't come to terms to price, I'm going to say, Mr. Mr. Seller, here's all the factual data. I would love to tell you that I can get you $500,000 for your home. With that said, all signs and all data is indicating that your home is worth $425,000. Now, there are a lot of realtors that are gonna tell you they could sell your home for $500,000 because they just want to sign in the yard. Now, my goal is to not just get a signing yard, it's to actually sell your home and help you get moved on to wherever they're moving next. I would rather turn you down now rather than let you down six months from now because I haven't sold your home. And it's my, my responsibility to be upfront and honest with you and not just tell you what you want to hear. I would love to tell you I could get you $500,000. And at the end of the day, I don't feel confident I can do that because all indicators on all of my comparables here show that you should probably, your home's going to sell around $425,000. Now, I'm ready to walk away from that and I'm totally fine with that because the only thing that's going to happen is they're going to either say, we really appreciate you being honest and they may listen and then they'll come down to the price or give me like a 430 price or something. Or they're going to say, you know what? Yeah, we're just going to go list with, you know, so-and-so down the street and they're going to do it for 500. What's going to happen now is the house is going to go on the market for 500,000. It's going to sit there. And then I'm going to be calling them in six months when their contract expires or 90 days or whatever it is. And then chances are we'll go get the listing. That happens a lot. We'll get it the second time around. I would much rather have it the second time around because now they've gone through all of that pain of like, Wow, we are overpriced. Nobody's coming to see it. The online activity is super low. Like, and then all of a sudden you take it, you price it right, it sells, and you're the hero. 
And so that's where you have to get comfortable, though, not just taking a listing to take a listing. Especially for the new agents out there, you're so excited to get a listing that you'll just take whatever. And, and it's not a good way to do it. So at what point in your career, Michael, did you think, like, I am okay with walking away from a listing if they're not going to price it correctly? It was pretty early on because I did take, I made this mistake where I would take stuff and then I'm spending money. So I'm spending money on a photographer. I'm spending money on marketing. I'm spending time and resources and energy. And, and then at the end of the day, it's not going to sell. And I would walk out of a house knowing there's no way I'm ever going to sell this. Why did I just sign up with paperwork? <laughs> and you just feel bad. And at a certain point, too, you're just lying to the seller in a sense because if you're not 100% sold that you can sell it, how are you ever going to sell it? And so for me, it was pretty long. After doing one or two or three of those where I'm spending a lot of money on a listing and I'm not getting anything in return, you know that. Because here's the other thing, too. The only thing that's going to happen is they're going to be upset with you. Yeah. And those phone calls every You're going to dread gonna talking to them. Yeah. Right. Because they're going to be like, well, what are you doing? Why, why aren't you getting my house sold? Well, it's overpriced. I'm doing everything I'm doing in my normal house. But at the end of the day, I always tell people, too. I don't tell people this all the time. But I always say, if your house is overpriced and I paid to have the Goodyear Blimp spotlight it, and the Goodyear Blimp spotlighted that thing for like a month, the only thing I'm doing is spotlighting an overpriced mm-hmm. house. It's not going to sell it. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, you have to price homes appropriately. And in a shifting market, you need to get ahead of price because if prices are starting to fall and days on market starting to go up, you need to get more aggressive with your pricing because if you don't, it's going to sit there. And if your home is priced at 450000 and the neighbor's home goes on the market for 450000 and the neighbor's home has granite and a finished basement and an updated bathroom and yours has laminate counters, no finished basement, and no updated bathrooms... Whose house is somebody going to buy? <laughs> it's the exact same house. Right. One's super updated. One's, it's like the same thing with a car. Mm-hmm. If you go on a lot and you can get a, a Ferrari or a Ford Taurus for the same price, which one would you buy? The Taurus, right? Yep, no, you buy the Ferrari. <laughs> obviously, you go for the Taurus. But, and that's an extreme example. I get that. But my point is if one house has a ton of value and a ton of these bells and whistles and the other one doesn't, what's going to happen? They're going to go buy the other one. Of course. Who wouldn't? So you need to tell your sellers that in order to get your home sold, we need to either adjust the price accordingly to the condition or, or improve the condition mm-hmm. of your home. So it's either sink money into it, which I don't recommend either all the time because you don't always get 100% back of what you put into a house. So typically it's adjusting the price to a price that will cause it to sell. So that's just one of the things that you need to start working on and getting good at is how can you get good at price reduction scripts and how do you get very good and comfortable with pricing homes correctly out of the gate? Because it's going to happen. This market will happen. I was talking to somebody the other day, and like, because Gary Keller with Keller Room said it was going to happen in uh, 2016, 17? years, yeah. A couple of years ago. And he's like, I believed it so much I sold my house. And he's like, and now my house has gone off like another 20% since I sold it. It's pretty funny. But he believed that shift is happening a year or two ago. It's going to happen, right? And so the best way to be ready for it is, one, double your lead generation effort. So, like, for you, like, you're a madman on the phones, Joe, and which is awesome. A little bit, yeah. You didn't go to happy hour last night, so what were you doing? On the phone. <laughs> lead generation. <yeah. laughs> but that's the kind of commitment you need, right? If, if you're – and that's the thing, too. If you want to hit your goal – so when you set a goal, it's not just, well, I want to make – because every realtor says we want to make $100,000. Like, that's just the number for whatever reason. Yeah. What's cool is yours was one fifty, so that was cool when we first started. I was like, thank God, it's not just the standard hundred thousand. <laughs> and so, but for Joe, it's one hundred and fifty thousand. Now he's doing whatever it takes to get to his hundred fifty thousand dollar goal. And so, for a lot of people, it's just this pie in the sky. Well, I just want to make six figures. Well, six figures is what five hundred thousand, six hundred, or it's typically a hundred, right? Six figures is any of those though. But it's a hundred thousand dollars. 
But what doesn't happen is they don't follow up with enough action, or they don't really care if they make a hundred thousand. It's just kind of like it'd be cool. Yeah, it's but not like something that they, they just do or die. Like they're all right. going to actually. Hit. Yeah, right. But it's like, oh, if I made forty, I'd be fine with that. But I'd like to make a hundred. I think too, if they fall behind, they don't make up for it. Exactly. Like, yeah. If they're mm-hmm. not on track and make their goal, like they don't come in on the weekends and yes. do extra dial time. Exactly. Put extra action behind it to actually get them to their goal. They're just like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm behind. I'm cool with fifty or yeah. forty or whatever. Well, yeah. or we'll see so what happens. Okay, right? oh, okay. The market's starting to shift, so you know, yeah. I'm probably not gonna be able to hit a hundred. And that's what happens, yeah, because people are like, oh, I want a hundred thousand dollars, but oh, well, the market's the market's not as good. So maybe next year. One of the yeah. So if I do like thirty thousand, I'll be okay with that. I'll, <laughs> I'll hit my hundred next year. Yeah. That's what happens. You can't have that mindset and succeed in this business. We are a 100% commission-based mm-hmm. business, and you've got to come into work every single day. And this business is, I mean, it's a grind. I don't like people are like, oh, I'm grinding every day and that. But it is. It's one of those things where you can have a great month this month, and your next month can be horrible. And so it's something where you have to get purposeful and intentional every single day. And like you said, Joe, if you're falling behind, what can you do extra to pick up the slack and make up for it? And that's doing things that you don't always like to do, unfortunately. Like, people are like, do what you love, and you never feel like you're working a day. It's bullshit. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like you have to do things you, you don't want to do. You sacrifice. Yeah, you absolutely. Yeah. And, it, and it's not popular because I know everyone's like, oh, you know, balance and this and that. But, dude, at the end of the day, if you don't need money. What are you balancing? Like, yeah, right? what are you balancing? Like, people are like, well, I wouldn't want to be that successful because I would have to jeopardize my family time. Well, how do you know unless you get become that successful? Like, what's your family time? Like, sitting in the garage on a cooler watching the blues? <laughs> or is it like, yeah. Is yeah. It like, flying in your private jet, which one would you With have? your family. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. That's just it. And, and that's the thing. Like, how do you know if it's going to jeopardize your family time if you haven't done it? Mm-hmm. Right? And chances are the people that are succeeding at the highest level – they actually have really good quality time with their family because they can financially afford to plug into their family. They can take them on good vacations. They're so leveraged that they can step away from their business for a time being and it keeps running, right? And it's the people that are just like chasing their tail every day. They're like, well, I would never want to be that successful because they work too much or it's not true. Well, the more success you have, you buy time back because you start leveraging pieces of your business and leveraging time. You don't have to cut your grass anymore. You don't have to clean your house anymore. You don't have to do any of that. You can leverage all of that out, and that's all time you're buying back to spend with your family. Not to mention, it's not that just time block time with your family. So, yeah. like, you know, time block time with your family. So we're getting off track on how to, but that's just that's <laughs> going to be a topic for another yeah. day. But the key is to recession-proof your business, the first thing you can do is take massive action to double your lead generation efforts. Do whatever it takes to succeed. One thing we didn't talk about, but it's important, cut expenses. So you need to go through and start looking at your expenses and cut everything that's unnecessary. It doesn't matter if it's the $2.99 a month storage thing for your iPhone that I pay. That it's really annoys me every month. It's $2.99. I have a phone that's like 256 gigs of whatever memory and I mm-hmm. pay for extra storage. I don't get, cut that out. I don't care if it's $2.99 or $299. Get rid of it. If you don't absolutely need it or if you're looking like on your credit card statement, you're like, I don't even know what that is, but it's $29. Get rid of it. So go through, it doesn't matter. And that's an exercise we talked about today. We did. How do you get $1,000 back a month? So go through your bank statements and look at it. And how can you cut $1,000 out of your budget? And you'll be surprised at how easy it is. There are so many auto debits that we pay for, and they're small, like $10, $11, $17. Go in there and look through that and cut 1000 bucks out of your budget right away. But get rid of anything that's not absolutely necessary for your business. Like if you're paying for leads and you haven't converted anything in the last year, get rid of it. Like if you haven't converted anything in the last four months, get rid of it. So double your lead gen efforts, work on your presentation skills, sharpen your saw every day with scripts, skills, uh, scripts, and role play. I would go find a role play partner. 
Like we practice it every day. Go find somebody in your market center, your office, and start role playing every day on different scenarios on how to get good at listings, how to work with buyers better, and then cut expenses. You do those things, you're going to be fine. If not, you're going to be out of the business. So anyway, hope that helped. Anything to add, fellas, before we wrap up? Control your economy and Control don't be scared of the recession. Recession's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Clears a lot of people out of our business, and you're able to pick up market share if you're doing the right thing. So don't fear it. Embrace it. And you'll make it happen. We'll see you next time.